Welcome to White Noise Season 2 Hey Josh Hey Blacker Which European country was most against Brexit? The most against Brexit? Uh, uh, I'm going to go with France Lock it in Eddie no, nah, it was the Romanians. I. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say: when in Romania, do as the Romanians do. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to White Noise. I'm Josh. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and that's the energy we're going to have for the rest of today's episode. I think <laughs> a bit of a speed a speed run episode potentially. <laughs> Exactly. Unlike my run this morning, which was not a speed run, <laughs> as much as I hoped it to be. I didn't tell you this, Josh, but it went for a couple of k's longer than I intended because I was going along, I was going to do some traffic and I did the thing of rather than waiting for the traffic, you're like, oh, I'll just run along this road and then go behind the traffic. I ended up running like two k's out yeah. along the road to go around the traffic. I was like, well, <laughs> that's not quite what I planned, but you win some, you lose some. That's right. Alrighty. So Josh, I've got a little bit of a, like a more serious topic to start us off today. So have you seen Black Widow yet? I have not. I need to. I just have been so busy <laughs> that I haven't got around to it. There was, I've like, we've got a group chat ready to go <laughs> to go see the movie. We just haven't actually gone and seen it yet. Oh, right. Okay. You're literally that prepared. Well, you don't need to have seen the movie for this discussion. Um, okay. But it it came out a couple of weeks ago, and I've seen it, and I would highly recommend seeing it. It's a really good film. And before I get into this recent news, which you probably would have heard about, I want to give a bit of a short summary for people who weren't familiar with the film, uh, which is basically it's to give a bit more backstory to Black Widow from the Avengers, and it takes place after Captain America: Civil War. So she's like a fugitive on the run, and it kind of like uh, it, the whole point is to give her a bit more backstory because she's this fantastic character who's never had a solo film even though she's been in like, what, 10 films? You're the Marvel buff. How many do you reckon she's been in? Uh, well, she was like, started in Iron Man 2 and then has been in like <laughs> so many since then. Iron Man, too fast, too furious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Iron... Oh no, but actually, you know what? You know what they could have done for the sequels of Iron Man? is because Iron 2 Plus is a, is a um, is an ion of iron. So you could... And then you could have like iron two plus and then iron three plus. For the, I for the... think that would have gone over many viewers' heads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I've also I realized that iron and iron sound very similar, particularly with my inability to speak properly at the moment. <laughs> so it's. Uh, but anyway, so there's this film with ten out of ten recommend seeing, uh, particularly in cinemas, based on what we're going to talk about. And I'm very curious to hear your perspective on this because you're obviously more on the know in the film industry than me. But currently, Scarlett Johansson, who is the star of the film, is suing Disney, who are the people who made the film. I did hear um, about this, but I haven't actually read anything about it. But oh, okay. I did so see the I, headline. So I saw the headline and I thought I'd, I'd do the background research as well. Oh, thank you. Um, wow. It's great. So I don't have to do anything myself. This is amazing. <laughs> so I'll lay out the background and I kind of like basically just want to ask a couple of questions, get your thoughts on it. So in her contract, it said that they were going to release it in cinemas first and then put it on streaming later, right? Yep. As what happens with a lot of films these yeah, days. Yeah, pretty pretty standard nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but they've... And the, she gets the profits from the film, but not the streaming, which is, again, typically how those courts... Yeah, that sounds pretty typical. Yep. Um, they've released it in cinemas, as I can attest to having seen that, and you can attest yep. to having been going to see it. Uh, yeah. Well, did they release it everywhere in cinemas or just specific territories? Well, that's the thing. They've also released it via Disney Plus Premier Access, where if you yeah. have Disney Plus, you can pay, pay extra to access it only on the streaming service. Um, and if you do that, you basically have the film. And it's the closest these thing, thing these days to having a DVD. Well, I mean, you could buy a DVD, but who has a DVD player? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have a DVD player. But Lots of people have DVD players, but they're not called DVD players. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Your PlayStation and your Xbox are DVD players. And, yeah. so can you watch a DVD like in your PlayStation? Yeah. 
You know how you showed me a few weeks ago the PlayStation fridge? Oh, the Xbox fridge. Is the, Xbox the Xbox fridge. Does yeah. that have a DVD player? Uh, uh, it depends because some of them are, are discless. <laughs> discless, wait, discless fridges or discless Xboxes? Discless like Xboxes and Playstations. Now. Now so you can't actually put a disc in. That's, that's so Those mad. can't. But the discly ones can. <laughs> the discly ones? This sounds like a, a really bad like service that you use to um like it's it's like I'm completely oh it sounds like a Spotify competitor like Discly yeah Dis- Discly yeah. that's that's what I'm thinking yeah I was like blanking on the name of these services that I was <laughs> I think also got missed, messed up in my head with Discord mm. Mm. oh Discly it's where you it's a chatting platform where you can chat about music oh oh. You know, I think Spotify has something like that. Speaking of Spotify and streaming services. <laughs> Very nice. So on Disney Plus, uh, they've released it early via Premier Access. I actually looked it up. It's 30 bucks to get it early. So which is like, you know, the price of an expensive DVD, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you're a family going to go watch it in cinemas, it's pretty equivalent, if not cheaper. <laughs> or if you're going to like fancy cinemas, I don't know. Um yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. 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 The gold class, champagne, <laughs> fancy seats. We didn't do that, but in the VMAX, you can actually pay a little bit extra to get like not just regular seats, but like couch seats. Yeah. 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 And they're familiar. really fun because like you can take your shoes off, you can lie back. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. Not, it's like it's, I, it was, that was a pretty cool experience. Um, so apparently, because it's come out on streaming as well as cinemas, uh, by the number of people going to see it on streaming instead of cinemas, it's costing Johansson about $50 million. Yeah. I'm which is a lot of money. <laughs> um, and so Scarlett Johansson has come out and sued Disney, being like, you've cost me, you've breached your contract, you've cost me $50 million. Uh, and Disney's kind of responded by saying that Johansson's comments are insensitive to the COVID 19 pandemic uh, because it's often safe <laughs> for people to just watch things from home. Uh, and then Johansson's lawyer has then fired back, being like, you've worked with her for like 10 years. You know, she doesn't mean it that way. You're just mischaracterizing her to cover your own asses. Kind of yeah. like when you get into a fight with someone, like a good friend, and you say personal things that you don't mean, you know? Um, and it is worth noting that this is her last film with Marvel. Yeah, and, of course. <laughs> and so I suppose... I, like, I have a couple of maybe more targeted questions, but just more generally, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, my thoughts are that it'll really come down to what the contract says and probably a very, uh, niche, um, like whatever the exact wording is, because, uh, I imagine Disney's argument is that premier access doesn't count as typical streaming because you pay for it. It's not like they've just chucked Mm -hmm. it on Disney plus normally. Um, so their argument is probably like, it's similar to like the DVD coming out at the same time. And so it'll be, I imagine so, but the law is very behind in like streaming and nor like uh, physical media equivalency. Um, So whether the law views it that way will be interesting. Um, It'll probably set some interesting precedents as well, because this is probably like the first major case where this is like an issue. Um, which could have ramifications for this kind of stuff down the track. Uh, yeah, I think I think like I, you should always pro- side with the like actor actor or actress in, in these kind of things, like because the uh, the corporation is always looking out for themselves. Um, and this is something Hollywood does nonstop um, is fudging these numbers. I think it's Return of the Jedi was listed as having a net profit of one dollar because the actors percentages came out of the gross profit and so the gross profit was listed as like <laughs> i don't know the gross profit or whatever it was oh no that that percentage came out of the net profit which was one dollar but the gross profit was like several million dollars you know so things like right. that that are that are those those little things legal do, things yeah. that that people can get caught up with um yeah mm. so Mm. I reckon Scarlett Johansson's in the in the right, definitely morally. 
uh, legally, hopefully as well, because I think she probably has more of a backing from, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice, <laughs> this is, but, but uh, uh, like I, by armchair law <laughs> tells me that she's probably more on the right than Disney is in this case. Disney yeah. can probably afford more expensive lawyers though. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, I certainly wasn't coming to you for law advice. I was more coming for your opinion as a person. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the law advice I, I need from you, I'll ask you after the show. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was... It, because it's not actually quite the first case because there was apparently Wonder Woman uh, when that came out that also had like but that was in the contract that like yeah streaming services will come out at the same time and then I think maybe there was like a, a factored profit into that or something like that like I think it was set up the contract was set up in the, that way and whereas it looks like this they just didn't bother to set up the contract in this way so mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's like the laziness from Disney or like well I wonder where uh, I don't know how long Black Widow has been in production for. So I don't know when these contracts would have been done or even if, because I know a lot of Marvel contracts are done in a, in a batch. You know what I mean? So like, I think Robert Downey Jr. did like a 10 film contract thing um, that included like the solo films and the, the guest cast ones. Um, so it'll be interesting whether like COVID is used as a reason in the contracts because if if it if they had reasonable knowledge of COVID when this was going on, that could change the outcome mm-hmm. as well, I imagine. Whereas if the contracts were all done before COVID, then it's kind of like an unexpected thing. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, I I honestly don't know when they started when they started doing this. Yeah, I imagine it's, they would have they would have started before last year. So, uh, I imagine the contracts were pre-COVID, but I don't know what that means for the the outcome. Yeah, yeah, because it is interesting because it got delayed because of COVID. But then it's like mm-hmm. something like Wonder Woman. They had thought through the the contracts on it. Yeah, well, I just just generally as well. Like I think the thing that blew my mind about this as well, um, and this maybe more falls in the camp of, I suppose Johansson not getting the money. But this isn't even though I like I think she should. But the thing that blew my mind was like the amounts of money involved. I was like, wow, okay, that's like a it's a lot of money. Um, that's true. Um, but I uh, the thing with like these kind of contracts is you don't know what they're getting outside of that, and so like if Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sure she's getting paid for other stuff as well. Uh, but like uh, the acting scene in Hollywood is a lot of work, um, and it's a lot of really long hours. Yeah, it's quite intense. Um, doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, you're like not really at home. You know what I mean? You're in some like trailer somewhere. Mm. Um, and you're forced into the public spotlight. Like you're yeah. Which isn't like so it is isn't necessarily always a pleasant thing, right? There's like there's a lot of downsides to it, yeah. Um, so I mean, fifty million still is a ridiculous amount of money, even if you look at it over like the span of like three years, three four years that this film's been getting produced for. Um, even per year, that's a ridiculous amount of money. But I think yeah, you shouldn't really look at it as like a fifty million dollar lump sum because it is kind of like that spread spread over period yeah. which is still a lot of money but it's not it's not 50 million million dollars in, in one go i suppose if you think about who would you rather have that 50 million dollars right like you would probably rather an individual who's demonstrated by going ahead with this lawsuit uh a care for individual rights uh as opposed to typically big companies like disney's tend to just care about their own pockets like and Disney's so, going to make bank on this film anyway. Like yeah. fifty, they can spare fifty million dollars. Yeah. They can spare that every day of the week. <laughs> they could give everyone on the world fifty million dollars. Fifty million dollars. Yeah. I mean, Disney, if have- you're listening, please sponsor us, um, but yeah. also pay us a good, a good amount. <laughs> Don't dog us on our contracts. To be honest, we would probably take a lot less than fifty million dollars. We are doing a lot less than Scarlett Johansson for Disney. I would take fifty dollars from Disney. <laughs> Man, I would take five. Honestly, I would sponsor. I would do a, give a shout out to a company for five dollars on this podcast. 
Look, even 50 cents, to be honest. To be honest, we have a very low bar. If you're, <laughs> We've got, if you're doing even if like, even if they even if a company just bought us a pizza, they'd get a shout out. Oh, yeah. That's a hundred <laughs> percent. Bro, if a company bought me some flowers so I could make myself some pizza, I would probably be like, Yeah, I'll, I'll shout out, you know, Gwalit local bakeries for their high quality food. <laughs> white flour all purpose flour. The other thing that I, I thought that would be, and I think this is maybe a little bit dangerous territory to jump into, um, but I think it's worth flagging, is that I did wonder if, and you might disagree with me here, is this representative of generally problematic attitudes towards women in Hollywood and broader media? If you look at, say, because I'm just thinking in, like, recent, so so in general, right, like, the fact that she's only just gotten this land of this big role, despite being as good an actor as all the others and have been in all their films, she's they're often not paid as much as their male co-stars. Um, and we've seen in recent years the um, the Britney Spears uh, conservatorship, and then you saw there's also the Taylor Swift thing with the ownership of her music in terms of essentially legal things being done that are uh, when you have female celebrities kind of getting them. You hear a lot about female celebrities getting money taken away from them, and that whereas it doesn't seem to happen to male celebrities. And the point that I'm making is that uh, is there perhaps this problematic attitude where women are not treated as well in these industries, and like this is something that we should also care about because it's representative of a broader industry of because you know if, if Scarlett Johansson is getting stuffed over by Disney, uh, it's quite likely that you know a female actor you know working. Uh, contract to contract in a local film industry is probably also getting screwed over to answer the question yes <laughs> <laughs> no, no no i'm not gonna end it there i thought that'd be fun. Uh, like yeah ab- absolutely um like I, I think it says a lot that you don't really see this kind of stuff with male actors um like and if it was i'd imagine we'd see far different responses to if Robert Downey Jr. came out and said his contract wasn't being followed and wasn't being paid yeah. enough. I imagine that would be a very different response. Yeah, so I, I like absolutely 100% agree with that. Um, I realize it turned from a question more into more of me being like, here's my opinion. Just a statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, like, I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely accurate. Yeah, I, I don't have much else to say really because I think you, you expressed it very well. Um, so. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The, the Britney Spears one I do actually find is an interesting thing because, again, like I think the Britney Spears thing is a really good example of a woman in this industry being treated really poorly and representative of a lot of women being treated really poorly in this industry. But then if you talk to people about, about it, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't care about it because it's a target, like a character based target on that person, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're caring more about the the person rather than the situation, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, I think that's that's also interesting to reflect in our dialogue around that stuff as well. That like is in terms of like I I don't really listen to a lot of Britney Spears music, although I listened to an excellent cover of Toxic the other day by an Aussie artist. There's a there's a cover of Toxic by Hope D on from Triple J Like a Version. Would recommend giving it a listen, uh, but. More tangent, but I think yeah, like also caring about the Britney Spears things because it's representative of a broader problem in the industry. Um, yeah, well, even um Taylor Swift, I would say, is probably uh, like maybe the one that's got the more spotlight. Um, I think both both of them have have the spotlight, but I think Taylor Swift has done a great job of uh, what's the word like kind of launching an attack on on like on yeah on her situation yeah, um, where yeah. and. Yeah, so I think um, we have to be careful. Not you know, to I think it's it's good as Taylor Swift's parents have been really nice to her. Where it have been really good to her. It's a separate company that have been. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the it's the corporate thing. Yeah, that, that that's yeah, that's kind of what I yeah. So, sorry to conflate those those things. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Fine. I was thinking more in terms and in terms of this situation. You know, again, it's a corporation uh, trying to trying to dictate the law of what they have, and technically they might be in in the right. Uh, but then, you know, we get to see uh, these women taking ownership of their rights and standing yeah. up for themselves, um, which is good to see. Because as well, I think we're 
at a point where this is not more doable, not easy, but like mm. this kind of stuff happened all the time in the 20th century, um, like for in industry, like when it was still growing. Um, so yeah, I think it's promising that we're at least at a point where this stuff can happen and everyone goes, no, I think Disney's wrong. You know what I mean? It's not it's like, like, uh, you know, I, I, there has been like some debate, but I think not uh, far. Uh, I think a lot more people are kind of turning against corporations than we've seen in the past. Yeah. And I suppose as well. I think I think that like um, thinking about them as role models as well. It's like, if you think about uh if if Scarlett Hansen, Britney Spears, and Taylor Swift can all have these things go their way, that uh, it's not just important for them, but it means that like say someone that you're working with, give it like on a much smaller amount of money, where these things really really matter to their their survival. You know, say a woman your age, in a in a like working from gig to gig is more likely to stand up for herself. And if this like honestly, if these things serve as a good role model for them, like then that's a huge win for society. And I think there's there's even things to be learned for for everyone. You know what I mean? Like for me personally, the Taylor Swift case is like a reminder of like, you know, copyright law and 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 that kind of thing. And it, it serves as like a, uh, you know, a, a, a warning like a, a, a about contracts and things. Because I think a lot of young artists, not just women, like especially women, but not not just women, this is quite common in like the hip hop industry as well. And that kind of thing where, uh, again, corporations will write things into contracts and artists sign them because it's their first deal without reading what they've signed. Yeah. Um, not saying this is what happened in the Taylor Swift thing, because that's very different again, but it's a, it, you know, it's an applicable lesson that uh, isn't taught at schools or universities about contracts and copyright and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so seeing these things play out practically in the real world serves as a good learning tool for emerging musicians. Yeah. And well, not just musicians, entertainers. Yeah. So Josh, you had some Olympics chat. I did. I did. I really did. I realized that there's been a bunch of Olympics this week and I've been following a fair bit except the last couple of days. It's been a bit more hectic and I haven't done any prep for Olympics chat and I don't know about you, but I've been I've been really enjoying watching the Olympics. Been enjoying watching the Aussies killing it, particularly the Aussie women have been killing it in the pool, as we as we always do. As we, well, number one, as in I think we won three medals at Rio uh, and one medal at London, a gold in, at London in the pool, and then our best has been previously was five goals in the pool. We got nine goals in the pool this time, so not just killing it, but like we like, seem to be and, doing really well in everything, like yeah. <laughs> like. Like everywhere I look, it's like Australia's through to the semis or, you know, finishing pretty high in their group. And I'm like, yeah, go, yeah, go Australia. <laughs> I was so sad when we went down to Sweden in the women's soccer. That was just like, oh, because we because apparently I was listening on the radio because I was actually coming back from Frisbee and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to listen to the soccer on the radio. Soccer is not a great radio sport, by the way. Um, no, it's really not. <laughs> but then it was like, apparently we were killing it. And then it was just like, and to be honest, it sounded like we were the better team for most of the game, but they just managed. It is what it is in soccer. You can be the better team, but still lose. Uh, It's like most sports. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to talk about some historic Olympics chat. Oh, yes. The 1904 Summer Olympics in St. Louis, United States. St. Louis. You may guess where this is going. I don't know, because this is quite... Well, I know it's going to America. Because it's in St. Louis. That's all I know. Oh, well, have you heard of the men's marathon at the 1904 Summer Olympics? I have. I have not heard of the men's marathon at the 1904. Surely you have. Maybe once I explain it, it's quite. It's quite an adventure. If I had to write a, if I had to make a film about a historic event, this would be the event I would choose. Oh, so you would take this over the. Who was the musician you wanted to make a musical out of the life of? Because it was the oh, it was a Galois. It was the mathematician Galois you wanted. Yeah, to make yeah, 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 yeah. Would you? So if you would you make a film out of this over a, a musical over Galois? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We should do Galois <laughs> chat at the at some point. By the way, 
We should. We should. And it would be Galois. Could almost end up on romantic acts of the romantic era because he was contemporary. I reckon we we'll talk about Galois and romantic acts of the romantic era at some point in the future. But yeah. let's let's wind it back to 1904. Take me back 117 years. Oh, I don't know if this has been throwing you off when they're talking about Olympic records. It's like something hasn't been done for 49 years, and it's now rather than like neat multiples of four, which are always yeah. like it's multiples yeah. of four plus one, which really irks me for some reason. <laughs> And you know, I realize as well, it is now going to be in future, we're going to hear like hasn't been done for 31 years, like multiples of four minus one. Yeah. <laughs> and so kind of, I almost like, every, surely every uh, record that gets broken at this Olympics gets taken over next Olympics. So we don't have to have that. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> and specifically broken by Australians. Anyway, take me back 117 years. I'm in yeah. St. Louis. What state St. Louis in? Uh, it is in Missouri. I thought so. Welcome to St. Louis, Missouri for the 1904 Olympics. And today, well, we've got something special for you. They used to do this from Athens to Marathon. Here we're just doing from St. Louis to St. Louis. It is the 1904 Olympic Marathon. Here with me today in the in the chair, all the way from... He'll tell you where he's from, depending on what accent he wants to go with, is Mr. Russell Jobinson. I'm not going to play into this. <laughs> Howdy. Uh, that was a good accent, though. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Don't know if I'm going to be able to hold it. Uh, yeah, so the marathon in 1904 was yes. not standardized. So it's 24.85 miles or 39.99 kilometers. Oh, I would love to run a marathon like that. No, actually, I hate that because then you know you've not done a real marathon. Anyway, yeah. It started at 3 p.m., which... <laughs> Welcome back to St. Louis. We've had a little delay in the marathon. We're starting at 3 p.m. It's not a delay. Starting... It wasn't a delay. It was scheduled at 3, 3 p.m. <laughs> oh, there you go. I forgot my glasses. It was always at 3 p.m. I'm just bad at reading schedules. I thought it started at 3 a.m. I should have put that one together. That's on me, folks. That's on me. And so usually marathons start in the morning. Indeed. And this has been a problem at Tokyo because they've had to move the marathon from Tokyo to uh, a different city. Yeah. Because of how hot it is. Uh, well, at the, at the time, they didn't care. So it was 32 degrees celsius when it started oh yeah yeah this is running in perth over the sun like get over it americans <laughs> um the course was on dusty country roads with race officials riding in vehicles ahead of and behind the runners Ooh, creating dust clouds home. that exacerbated the hot and humid conditions take me home <laughs> to the place but that's just the that's just the background. That's just the the some some context that so is useful for what happens doing, during the actual. They're doing IB on a windy day, which is what they're complaining about. Not quite. Well, like <laughs> once, get get ready, strap yourselves in, because All right, this I'm is probably one in. of the most chaotic races that has ever happened in history. Okay, and we have a record of everything that that went on. Oh my god! What? I suppose so, it was the Olympics. Hey, the first person to. F- Across the finish line was Fred Laws. Okay. Howdy, and he howdy. Was, it's Fred. He, he's crossing the finish line. Look at that man go. So he was he was receiving his medal from um, Alice Roosevelt, who was the daughter of Teddy oh, yeah. Roosevelt. I've heard of the Roosevelts. Yeah. The Roosevelts have done well over the years. They, they have done all right. <laughs> um, but it was discovered that. He dropped out of the race after nine miles, suffering from cramps, and he hit. He he got in a car, got driven to the outside of the stadium, and then just ran inside and crossed the finish line. Don't you remember the first IB between Bruce and Alfred? That's literally what happened. This that is, is literally what happened. But here it was IB happening at the Olympics. I feel like, yeah, sure, during a little intercollege event that nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> at the Olympics, it was not viewed as favorably. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Anyway, Fred went on to win the 1905 Boston Marathon. So he did all right in the end. But uh, they, yeah, he obviously got the out, by the way, what was his name? Frank Law? Fred Laws. Fred Laws. How did they figure out that Fred Laws had cheated? Uh, I'm not sure. It doesn't exactly say on the Wikipedia page that I'm looking at, but maybe, I'm maybe sure it would be was like, Hang on a second. 
I drove that bloke like two hours ago. Wasn't he? <laughs> Why is he getting a medal for getting in a car? <laughs> Unless Fred Laws was actually meant to be doing the 10,000 meters and got 10. No, he was definitely listed for the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> he was. And he was like, oh, I've been pranked. I'm, a, I'm in the wrong event. The actual winner of the race was Thomas Hicks, but he pretty much cheated. <laughs> so, oh, as, as like like Frank Lords, Fred Lords. Uh, yeah. So, but all this was technically legal at the time, but in hindsight, you you go. I don't know if he deserved the win. Ten miles from the finish, he had to be uh, restrained from stopping and lying down by his trainers. And from then until the end of the race, he received several doses of rat poison mixed with brandy. <laughs> he continued to keep going on, hallucinating and barely able to walk. And when he reached the stadium, his support team carried him over the line, holding him in the air while he shuffled his feet as if he was still running. He had to be carried off the track and might have died in the stadium had he not been treated straight away. And he lost eight pounds over the course of the marathon. <laughs> So when you started saying that he was taking rat poison and brandy, right? I was like, okay, I don't think that's a good idea, but I don't think that's technically illegal. But being literally carried over the line by support staff, maybe, maybe <laughs> less. Although to be fair, if other runners, so if you're running the Olympic marathon, right? Say you and I are running the Olympic marathon and I can see that you're cooked and I like help carry you over the finish line. That's not cheating. No, but I suppose I'm in the event. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So when someone, but that also means that hang on, surely that's how you stop up someone's Olympic marathon. If you say, "See, the guy from from Kenya is doing really well," and you and I sprint in and pick him up and carry him a bit, you know, <laughs> then technically he's cheated. And then old mate from Belarus can come in and win the marathon. I don't know why <laughs> outside the Belarus has come second to Kenya in the marathon, but you know. <laughs> They probably uh, all right. I think there's some flaws with that. <laughs> but, ooh, let's let's get get us on a plane to Tokyo and we'll try it and we'll see what they do. Yeah, <laughs> easy, easy. Um, so he didn't really win. Who came? Who came? Who was the next across the line? They at least run a legit race. Um, Albert Corey, who uh, he's not mentioned in the rest of the thing. So I presume he ran a legit race. Maybe Albert um, Corey actually died of overheating. Oh, actually, no, hang on. Albert Corey is, is here. <laughs> Arriving without correct documents, Albert Corey, <laughs> a French immigrant to the United States, is inconsistently listed as performing in a mixed team in the four-mile team race with four undisputed Americans and performing for the US in the marathon. So, so that actually before? is like, that's what you were saying with Fred Laws, where he was like, he was signed up to run a different race. That was like what happened with Albert Corey. <laughs> That's a, in terms of a t- combos of two sports of the Olympics, like four by a hundred and the marathon, that's a pretty wild combo. Yeah. Like what's the I feel like the, the 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 strangest combo you could have would be like, you know, maybe the featherweight boxing and say the weightlifting. Because like Oh yeah. <laughs> see, like I'm just saying so like that's a really easy difference because you've got the but even say the weightlifting and say the hundred meter sprint, right? Like I don't know if you saw. I was reading an article about the the woman who won the woman from China who won the the weightlifting, the women's weightlifting, and apparently the description was, it's like, it's not even funny how good she is compared to the rest of the field. Like in terms of, she's nineteen and she basically like lifted like, like a bunch of kilos more than everyone else, and like just didn't break a sweat, and like yeah, she's like so like clearly so strong, but then it's like. Imagine if they then ran the marathon as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just to really mix up. Or or like the equestrian equestrian and say Oh like, equestrian. <laughs> surely surely equestrian and then like the fifteen hundred meter swimming. Yeah. <laughs> it's two random sports. I mean, that's what kind of like uh Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. That's basically what that is. <laughs> you know what this is like? It's like the decathlon. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that this is, there's actually a couple in Britain that they're doing this for charity. They're competing in, they're trying every single event at the Olympics, but like the two of them, they're doing it together. And the idea is, and then they're, they're making, uh, oh, I should look up what charity they're raising funds for. But yeah, the idea is they're trying every single event at the Olympics, which I think is wild because the interview was then like midway. They were like, have you ever been on a trampoline before? Spring, 
spring is only my second time and it's definitely my last time. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, yeah, the 50K race walk was pretty rubbish. And I was like, hang on, they still had a marathon to do. Like, they're pretty exhausted by there the are end. some olympic sports that you do just that one sport and that's why i'm so impressed by albert Corey doing the four by 100 and doing can you imagine doing a 100 meter sprint and then like doing a marathon a few days later like, yeah was, well i'm not sure if he actually did do the four mile team race because as he's listed as performing in it with four others <laughs> so maybe relays were different back then maybe they weren't four people in a team yeah, maybe. I don't I don't know. Uh I'm not sure if he actually did run it. <laughs> Albert Corey, if you're listening. Yeah, anyway, play Another, on. we've got we've got we've got more shenanigans happening in the race. Okay. Uh so um a Cuban postman, uh Andarin Carvajal, joined the marathon arriving at the last minute. He lost all of his money gambling at New Orleans. He hitchhiked to St. Louis and he had to run the event in street clothes. And someone like one of the spectators felt sorry for him and cut his trousers so that he like wouldn't be running in trousers on a hot day. So like he was just running in like shorts that like had been cut from trousers. So how, <laughs> he how hadn't long, eaten. How long before, when you say he signed up last minute, how last minute was his sign up? Because my brain's like, did he just like, he, he was gambling in, in, where was he gambling? Uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, right? He's in New Orleans. He's gambling. Maybe he's had a bit to drink, and he's like, "Stuff! I'm going to run the marathon." He heads to. He has, how does a Cuban postman end up gambling in New Orleans anyway? So he he traveled to the United States to compete in the marathon. Okay, um, so it wasn't that last minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was always planning on competing, but I guess he didn't arrive at the actual venue until like probably the day of. <laughs> and then from New Orleans, we got oh, we got a Cuban postman. <laughs> What's um, the Cuban postman's name? So we can stop calling him the Cuban postman. Andari Carvajal. Andari Carvajal. Carvajal? Is it C-R-A-V-A-J-A-L? Yeah. Yeah, it's Carvajal. It's like a Carvajal. Spanish name. Yeah. Um, yeah, makes sense. There you go. That's um, incredible. He hadn't eaten in 40 hours. So he stopped off on the, on the, on the race oh, no. and went to an orchard, orchard and snacked on some apples. The apples turned out to be rotten, causing oh, him to no. have stomach cramps, and he lay down and t- took a nap. So this is kind of like the hare and the tortoise now, right? <laughs> he also chatted with spectators, and he stole some peaches from a race official. <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I don't know. I don't know how likely it is he stole them. I reckon the race official saw him was like, "Man, you're having a rough day," and gave him some peaches. Uh, guess where Carvajal finished the marathon? I'm going to say in the top 10. He finished fourth. <laughs> despite having a nap. <laughs> is, that, is that fourth including the guy who then got the first, who took the cab ride? No, this is fourth This is fourth with that DQ. Guys. So, okay, so there was one person in the top five who didn't have a nuts race. Because um, Carpajal is the fourth person we've met. Uh, no, there's uh, Arthur Newton finished third and he's not mentioned. And... and... Uh, Velui, a Greek, a Greek runner who's also not mentioned. Um, they must have done all right. This is this is a comedy film like waiting to happen. Okay, get ready for the next the next bit. The next bit. Uh, one of the South African entrants, uh, Len Tao, um, finished ninth. That's but impressive. But Len Tao was chased a mile off course by feral dogs. And so many people felt he would have done better if he had not been chased a mile off course by feral dogs. No, Len Tao, because you said the course was a bit short, right? So Len Tao actually won because he was the only one to actually run a marathon. Yeah, that's, that's probably true, yeah. <laughs> He's the only one who, he actually, he actually didn't get chased off by the rabid dogs. He was like, oh, hang on, this isn't an actual marathon. I want to get the extra Ks in, you know? Because Strava doesn't give you that nice little thing saying it's a marathon PB unless it's actually a marathon. Yeah. And, you know, they were big on the Strava back in 1904. Yeah, they, they really were. They really were. Um, the, other, the other just mad so, thing about how, this race, How far behind did he come? He came ninth. How far behind the leaders was he? Okay, so 
the results page on the Wikipedia, you know, it has the the rank, the athlete, the nation, and then the time. Yeah. Right? There's times for the first three athletes, and then for everyone else, it says unknown or did not finish. So we actually don't know where they, what time they got when they crossed the line. We just know really that they cu- finished. I'm really curious if this guy who got chased by the rabbit dogs would have made it across if he hadn't been chased by the rabbit dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe they um, would have seen him next to his coaches would have seen him next to the, to Albert Corey and they would have been like, here's some rat poison, you gotta keep up with him. Yeah. <laughs> um the 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 other mad thing about this race was that there were only two water like things available at six miles and uh so there was a water tower and a well. So not even like organized water just like there happened to be water on the course yeah yeah um which is obviously a bit rough on a 32 degree day and the (laughs) organizer of the olympics uh actually made this a deliberate decision because he was conducting research on purposeful dehydration a theory that dehydration could improve athletic performance Did, did did the purposeful dehydration improve athletic performance uh, well, considering that the marathon has the worst ratio of entrance to finishes uh, of about 50% of the everyone who started finished and the slowest winning time in Olympic history, which is uh, three hours, 28 minute, minutes and 45 seconds, which is almost 30 minutes slower than the next slowest time. I, I think say, we can you know safely what? rule out that purposeful dehydration is not a thing. We could, we could do a marathon in that time. Surely we go yeah. and recreate this. Once, once all this COVID shenanigans is over, surely we go to St. Louis and we recreate this. We could. We could, actually. <laughs> Although I know as being the guy who gets to be in the car and you can be the one who drinks the rat poison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll drink the rat poison and brandy. <laughs> just a typical Friday night out for you, right? Yeah, just yeah, just a, a normal... They would have been right normal... running in the dark as well because if it started at 3 p.m., the first person across the line was six thirty, so they would have. Actually... Uh, well, but America's—it uh, stays light for a fair while there. Yeah, I would, true. I and imagine summer, true. But I wonder if there would have been people like just like staggering around in the dark, dehydrated. <laughs> yeah. well, well, probably a lot of these, um, um, yeah, DNFs would would probably be like that. I imagine. I'm impressed. Surely someone died. Did anyone die? Uh, no, people almost died though. Another person who almost died was William Garcia of the United States. Uh, he had several internal injuries because he was breathing the clouds of dust that were brought by the cars that were driving ahead of them. Um, and so, yeah, he was just found lying on the side of the road. Um, but he didn't, he didn't die. Uh, but he like, yeah. Yeah. That's not fun. Yeah. No. (laughs) Creepers. Wow. So we can't really ever complain about any running event that we do because this is just like another level. Yeah, this is just more absurd. Um, but yeah, United States took out first, second, and third, <laughs> and and uh, the first with the disqualification. So, <laughs> you know, good work from the United States. Well, well done, US. Hey, but actually, looking at the entrance, the only countries that entered were the United States, Cuba. Greece, South Africa, uh, and there was one person from Canada that entered but didn't start. Yeah, so there the were only from Canada is the smartest person in the race. Yeah, yeah. Bill, Bill Sharing. Let me, let me. What did Bill Sharing do? Oh, does Bill Sharing have a Wikipedia page? Yeah, he was the winner of the nineteen oh six intercalated games, is which like- were at the time can like this also the olympic games but not <laughs> that's really confusing i've never heard of that before that's well, really clearly, strange. They clearly they didn't they didn't do as well over the years as the olympics did they hey? no <laughs> but he still gets a Wikipedia page bill what was his name again bill tapping bill bill sharing bill sharing i'm terrible with remembering his names aren't i Joshua just a bit Smithson. Oh, he received a live lamb and as a reward when he when he won the race. <laughs> I'm starting to think that it wasn't just the 1904 Olympic marathon that was wild, but it was just in general the early 1900s were a bit nuts. <laughs> yeah, probably. 
They, they were a bit, <laughs> seems to be like that. Like, honestly, this 1904 Olympics sounds a bit like, can you imagine that in the film about that marathon? It just cuts away. It's like, and whatever happened to that old Bill Sharon bloke? Yeah. <laughs> and there's the lamb. Oh my God, he's eating the lamb alive. <laughs> something nuts like that. Like, you can always imagine this being like a Tarantino film or something like that, or a, no, um, a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, Wes Anderson, yeah. Wes Anderson yeah. would do a great job of this. Wes Anderson, if you're listening, we've got a, we have, we got a film for you. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, surely we just make it, let's both drop out of uni and make a, and make a film about the Olympics. Sounds good to me. Excellent. Hello and welcome back to Play School. I'm Matthew, this is Josh, and we're here with another edition of The Weekly Word. Josh, are you excited to learn some words with me today? Have you seen an episode of Play School? <laughs> no, but I, 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 look, it's been a long time. <laughs> that's, the, that's a very odd episode of Play School that I just watched. I I was gonna do the ASMR energy that you did last week, but then I was like, I can't, I can't do it as well. <laughs> Unless you want to bring us in with the ASMR energy. No, no, <laughs> this is too strange. <laughs> for, for the listeners at home, so I got Josh up on Zoom, and I saw him lean into his microphone and then shake his head and pull out and be like, no, that's not happening. And he's now okay. I'm not going to describe what he's doing to the microphone now. That's <laughs> anyway. So, Josh, do you remember what the so the what was the word of the week last week? It was petrichor. That's right. Mm. Um, which, and this week, the word is persiflage. Persiflage, or persiflage, or <laughs> do you want to have a guess at what it means? Uh, can I get a uh, language of origin, please? Uh. <laughs> We've also got to do the spelling, don't we? Persa, persiflage. I nearly, I nearly spelt it out aloud when I when I was typing it in. Language of origin, definitions from Oxford. Ah, it's from French. Hmm, I thought so. It's from the. Well, yes. Uh, you know, from my extensive knowledge of French. Uh, yeah. We oui, we. Oui. Persiflage, is a. Descriptive term for when one is drinking out of a chalice. <laughs> so, persiflage comes from the French persifler, banter, which is based on siffler to whistle. And persiflage is frivolous bantering or lighthearted talk. And I felt like that was an appropriate description. For, for us, I feel like we often have persiflage on this on this podcast. Mm. And often, you know, persiflage occurs when drinking out of a chalice with mates. True. So <laughs> I wasn't true. that far off. That is true. You were you were in the right ballpark. You were, you had the right energies. Um, do you want to try and spell it? Persiflage. Do you want me to give it to you in a sentence? Uh, no, no, I don't need it. Don't need it. No, but if you Google persiflage definition, the first suggestion is how do you use persiflage in a sentence? You can give that afterwards. Oh, uh, um, persiflage. P E R S E F L A with the with like a little uh like like uh, apostrophe thing on it. G E persiflage. You were so close, <laughs> so painfully close. I'm not going to penalize you for that the hat on the A, that's fine. But it's P-E-R-S-I-F-L-A-G-E. Oh. So you were really close. But does it have the accent on the A? It doesn't. But I don't know if that's oh. because it's been like naturalized into the English language. Right, right. Which is... It sounds like it should have a, a something, like some weird vowel in it. Yeah, it's... Did you know as well, like these things have like a plot for the use over time of a word? Yeah, yeah. So Google, it, peaked, yeah. it peaked in the early 1900s and has really gone downhill. But sometime around 2000... Just like the 1904 marathon. Yeah, it, it, you, you know what? It had a peak around the 1904 marathon and then it kind of like plateaued. And then around 1920, it just started going down and down and down and down. And then at about 2010, 
it started going up again. Oh, that does that does line up with how much persiflage was happening in the world. That is true. The the most of the twentieth, the the amount of persiflage in the world was going down throughout the twentieth century. But you know, around yeah. the twenty twenty tens, the persiflage went through the roof. <laughs> we would know. We were there. We were there. We lived it. We lived it when persiflage came back into fashion. Dude, we are living it. Oh wait, no, it's the twenty twenties, isn't it? Oh my god, dude! Well, it could still be going up. It could still be going all the way to the top. That's true. That's true. The graph does finish at 2019 rather than 2021. So I don't know what happened to this website, but maybe it, it, it gave up. Or it oh. doesn't have the data yet. Did you hear that? No. The thing just played the pronunciation of Persiflage from my computer. Oh. But maybe have we like... been saying it correctly? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Persiflage. <laughs> when I tried to say Persiflage, that was completely wrong. But per- Persiflage, <laughs> Persiflage is definitely on the money. I thought, um, Josh, we should maybe wrap up today's episode with a little bit of listener correspondence because we have had a follow-up from last week. Yeah. Uh, he keeps team. messaging. He keeps... Me- we might have to block him soon. Oh. <laughs> That's horrible. I'm going to get a... Me- I'll get a personal message from Cass being like, I, I, don't, I don't like this this from your co-host. But it was very short. And, it was actually very short and sweet from from Cass. Oh, no, there was, there was more. Josh thinks calling me as nerd is an insult. How wrong he is. All right, Cass. Cass, you can be one of our nerds of the show. Yeah, nerds of the show. But by nerds, we mean the little, like, lolly things. So he's small and sweet. He's small and sour, really. <laughs> aren't, the nerds, aren't nerds sweet? They're sour. I, I'd have to disagree. I thought nerds were meant to be sweet lollies. No, they're... They're very sour. They're, that's the whole point of them. <laughs> no, you're getting nerds confused with warheads. No, no, I'm definitely not. <laughs> uh, any, hey, look, listeners, write in and prove Josh wrong. Uh, nerds are definitely sweet. But he simply sent skiing, then a man skiing emoji, greater than snow, snowboarding, and a person snowboarding emoji. So I think we'll have to move him onto the skiing side of the ledger to make it Snowboarding is still winning 2-1, I'll, I'll say. Yep, as it should. As it should, but Cass has decided to to put himself out there as a nerd and supporting the inferior snow sport, and we'll, we'll respect that incorrect decision of his. We will. Anyway, thanks for joining us this week, listeners. I look forward to some of you writing in and explaining to Josh that nerds are indeed a sweet candy rather than a sour candy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Indeed wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I hope that you all use persiflage this week. I hope I you will. all have some persiflage. Mm. And indeed, Josh, thank you for the persiflage that we've had today. And thank you for your persiflage. <laughs> yeah.